where when you disagree with someone's ideas anymore, at le- even if for you, it's I, I, I respect you as a person, I just disagree with your idea. The, this kind of this general attitude of the culture that when you disagree with somebody's idea, you're actually attacking them as a person. Yeah. A lot of that stems from this idea that if I am, if I get to decide my own value and I get to de- determine who I am and what I get to be, then my ideas aren't just something that I have. There's something that is fundamentally central to who I am as a person. And yes. for you to disagree with my idea is actually to attack who I am as a person. Hello, everyone. And welcome once again to Calvary Conversations. I'll be your host for this round, Dr. Joshua Paxton, Director of the Burnham Center for Global Engagement. And with me today is Joshua Barr, uh, one of our students and son of Timothy Barr, pastor of my brain is what's the church? What's the church, Josh? Red City Baptist Church in Blue Springs, Missouri. Thank you. Uh, so my my brain was was missing it for a second right there. So um, and so this past spring, with the retirement of several Calvary professors, uh, I had the the joy, the privilege, the delight, maybe the struggle, just a tad bit, of of taking over uh, one of our senior level classes, contemporary theology or as we affectionately called it in class, contemptible theology. It's basically the the tagline for the class is what passes is Christianity today, uh, but isn't necessarily within the realm of orthodox Christian belief. So Josh, uh, all of so all of the students in in that class had an assignment to do a final project and Josh created a lesson plan on postmodern epistemology and whether it is incompatible with biblical Christianity. And he did just a fantastic job. And so I wanted to go ahead and invite him and interview him for our Calvary Conversations topic today. And so our topic is that title, uh, a postmodern epistemology is incompatible with biblical Christianity. And so I'm going to ask Josh to define some of his terms for our list for you as our listeners today, and then we're going to get into it. So, so Josh, welcome. It's it's good to have you today, and we will start with what is epistemology? Can you define that? term for our our audience yeah sure so epistemology it's a branch of philosophical studies so kind of in the topic of like hard philosophy there's little individual questions that are all kind of interconnected that philosophers like to talk about Mm -hmm. so epistemology is basically the study of knowledge itself how do we know can we know what do we know um you know, what you might know branches into other philosophical branches, but epistemology is kind of the foundation of all philosophy. Either you can know something or you can't, and either one of those is a philosophical position on epistemology. Yeah, good, good. So uh, how do we we know that what we know is what we really know that we know? And if the audience is confused, you are in the right place. Uh, because philosophers like to ask these really complicated questions. So, 
Uh, so, all right. So now that we kind of defined our term, our understanding of what epistemology is and what we're talking about, uh, fundamentally, it has to do with truth, right, Josh? Mm -hmm. If there's and if you know what you can know, can you know truth? Does truth exist? Mm -hmm. So right. if you know something, then that something is either true or false. So you're either wrong or right in your perception of it uh, philosophically. But either you, what you believe is what you think you know, so what you believe to be true. Yeah. Yep. Right. Exactly right. So, so we're both believers. Your dad is a pastor. Um, you know, you attend Calvary. I teach here at Calvary. And so how should we as Christians do epistemology? Yeah, sure. Great question. Um, I think the easiest kind of Bible verse I found for it would be John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, we oftentimes just kind of gloss over and get to knowing gets to the Father through Jesus. But if you look at kind of the first half of the verse there, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, epistemology, study of truth, right? Mm -hmm. And the life. So for Christians, epistemology fundamentally starts with who God is and what he has said. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, God just didn't come out and say, I am God who does, well, he does say, I am God who does this. But what's he say to Moses? It starts with, I am. I am. And from there, we have all of this information that the Bible tells us about God. But that all starts with, in the beginning, God. So for Christians, epistemology, first of all, starts with who God is and what he has said to us. Very good. Very good. And so could one rightly say then that essentially the Bible is our source of truth for a Christian? Absolutely. Right. Uh, and so how does that impact if the Bible is our source of truth? How does that impact the way we live our lives, the things that we write, the things that we believe the and, and practice and, and how we live and interact with other people? Oh, yeah. So. Um maybe the easiest verse to go to that for that would be uh 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17 if all scripture is given by inspiration of God then the Bible tells us it's profitable for teaching reproof correction training and righteousness and right. why so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work the Bible doesn't just claim to be the word of God it claims to shape every aspect of our lives and then if you read the Bible, you find it talks about every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not just about it's in talking about truth and epistemology, we're, we're kind of dealing in the realm of knowledge a lot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we definitely want to don't want to leave our, our listeners with the idea that knowledge is all God's word is about. Rather, it it's knowledge that should transform us and and shape us into the image of God and then be played out in how we live our lives and how we interact with other people. So mm -hmm. very good. Uh, so by contrast, then, what is postmodern epistemology? Ah, so that's the fun one. So um, historically, different philosophers have come up with different ideas about epistemology. So, you know, um, we historically the progression largely went 
from the existence of God to non-existence of God. That'd be kind of the Enlightenment era philosophy. Now what's coming around is sort of this idea that, well, some people say God exists and some say he doesn't and some say A and some say B. Why can't everybody just be right and we all have fun with it? So um, postmodern epistemology is largely the idea that since we can't objectively prove everything we believe, maybe we can all just agree to disagree, go our separate ways, kind of coexist a little bit and call it even. That's, I mean, obviously that's a very big simplification of a lot of ideas, but yeah, yeah. largely postmodern philosoph uh, philosophy, sorry if I could use my own mouth, postmodern <laughs> philosophy is that everybody's right, nobody's wrong, and the only person who's wrong is anybody who thinks somebody else might be wrong. Correct, right. So the the only, in postmodern epistemology, the only sin, if you will, is is to claim to have exclusive access to truth, mm -hmm. to, to claim to be the only one that has the access to the truth. So, so you know, if you remember in, in class, we talked about realism and idealism and monism. We contrasted these different ways of knowledge, if you will, mm -hmm. realism stating that knowledge is external to the observer. So realism was a foundational piece of modernism yeah. uh, where truth is to be found in science. And so the idea was that truth is found within science and through enough scientific exploration and, you know, doing investigation using our five senses and then instruments like microscopes, et cetera, that we create to expand our, our five senses, we can discover truth. Where now we have the rise of something we call idealism, which is that truth isn't in the external world, rather truth is within myself. So mm -hmm. how does how does this aspect of of truth being within the person rather than external to the person like existing in the real world how how does that kind of play into postmodern philosophy So my um, question makes sense I get it again you said how does how does how does idealism the the idea that truth is within myself yep. play into postmodern epistemology. Okay, yeah. So um, for postmodernism, largely truth is whatever you happen to want. So if you believe the table in front of you is real, if you think that there is realism, then sure, go with that. But for them, the way they basically do is like when I say that God is the top of Christian epistemology. There is nothing higher than God for postmodernism because they, they look and say, well, we may or may not know what the top of the system is. So whatever little system underneath you happen to like, sure, go with it because they don't believe there's an objective reality or the idealism that is universal to all cultures, all people. So in so far as you and I agree on something, we can work with that. But the idea that there is a universal truth that transcends all individual truth claims to them. If it exists, it's unknowable. 
And as you can believe in it if you want, but since other people disagree, of course you have to coexist. Yeah, yeah. Wait, can't can't we all just get along? Uh, maybe maybe postmodern theology is the theology of can't we all just get along? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, which you, you know, uh, so Solomon tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, and. Uh, Pantheistic monism is is this belief that basically there is a higher truth, a higher knowledge that we simply can't comprehend. And so it's one of the difficulties oftentimes in trying to share the gospel in places like Thailand or Nepal and, you know, where where Hinduism is dominant because their their belief is that there is some element of truth that it's out there. We can't we can't know it at all. So so postmodernism in one way it's new and in another way it's really not new at all, right? Oh yeah. Um tracing some of the history of it, there's at least a good chance that it kind of well, it definitely ties back somewhat to Nietzsche, but it looks like he even got it from the Greek sophists who would have been Greek philosophers that were actually even before uh, Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. So the idea, the general idea has been around for a while, but we're definitely seeing it crop up in our culture in a very prevalent way today. Yeah, more, many more people are buying, buying into and accepting this notion that truth is personal to myself rather than existing out here in the external world. So, mm -hmm. yep. Um, so in your in your lesson plan, you talk about two ways of coming to truth. Can you explain those two ways for me? Yeah, sure. Um, so in the kind of postmodern system, and I think I touched on this a little earlier, mm -hmm. if what I believe happens to be the only truth I can come to, well, yeah, that's fine. Truth is in many ways individualistic in that if, I, if there's nothing higher than me that I feel like looking to, cool, great. But insofar as you and I agree, and all the other students at Calvary agree, we might be able to make our own Calvary truth, our own social truth. So like- Nobody tell, nobody tell Dr. Granados, oh no. <laughs> oops, but um, so now um, for them, kind of if you brought it out to a worldview truth, all the Christians might agree, all the Buddhists might agree with themselves, all the, you know, the Muslims, Islam might agree over here. Um, again, if we don't know who's right, well, then everybody can be right. So then um, socially, we might come to our own truth. Now, I think I just gave you some examples of ones that would maybe transcend like local geographic boundaries, things like that. Mm -hmm. But um Maybe in Kansas City, we have our own set of truth where their Chiefs are absolutely the best team on in, in the NFL because they just won the Super Bowl. You know, maybe that is our local truth. But of course, if you go to any other city, they'll have their own truth about the NFL. And of course, everybody's right. Um, th that, that's a silly example, obviously, to a certain extent. But it's very pertinent. It makes it, yes. Yeah, but you see... Um, so we might have individual local truths and then we might have slightly bigger truths where more people happen to agree over a wider area. Um, in some of the reading I did, I thought it was interesting 
one uh, person rightly pointed out that in many ways in postmodern thought, the scientific community is really a very large, like monolithic kind of truth claim in that people yeah. from all over the world look at the same things the same way and choose to agree with each other. But so in other words, for postmodernism, truth is first off individualistic, but insofar as I agree with the people around me, we can all agree together. Hey, now that is good. That that last little bit, I think you you said there really touched on something important, which we see happening in our culture today. And it plays into it plays into larger concepts of worldview and then values and then how cultures are formed around values and worldview, which all center in that you know, fundamental aspect of what is truth, which is the question that people everywhere are trying to to answer. And so traditionally, when cultures were largely, I don't necessarily want to say exclusive, but largely separated, right? So before the modern era with, you know, plane travel and globalization and all of that, where cultures were largely separated and there wasn't a whole lot of interaction between different cultures, then within a given culture, you would find a lot of common truth claims, a common worldview, a common religion and a common culture that was that was built around that. But with globalization and the mass sharing of information and ideas that we have today, then there is this social aspect where our our community isn't the community that we're necessarily born into, but it's the community that we create around ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, that has really important ramifications for some aspects of our culture today, where we see different communities forming around different ideas and views of truth and then how they interact with one another and also the the conflict, right? The the conflict that happens between from one community to another community so oh yeah absolutely the community is first off it's the community that i create but it's also the community that i choose so i mean you know when you come comes to talking with kind of people that have other worldviews this idea idea even if people wouldn't necessarily agree with everything kind of the the general attitude is seemingly just starting to kind of disperse into the culture enough where when you disagree with someone's ideas anymore at least, even if for you, it's I, I, I respect you as a person. I just disagree with your idea. The, this kind of this general attitude of the culture that when you disagree with somebody's idea, you're actually attacking them as a person. Yeah. A lot of that stems from this idea that if I am, if I get to decide my own value and I get to de determine who I am and what I get to be, then my ideas aren't just something that I have there's something that is fundamentally central to who I am as a person. And yes. for you to disagree with my idea is actually to attack who I am as a person. Yes, and so now it now it plays into our identity and and our sense, right? Our sense of identity, our sense of self. And so to to attack the idea is to attack the person themselves, which makes it very difficult to have intelligent discussions and and be able to to talk about ideas and concepts external of 
you know, having a value judgment placed on a person. Absolutely. A lot of times if like unbelievers will ask me about, so what do you think about this issue or this issue? You know, the first thing I have to do is sit down and say, okay, so the thing you got to understand is what the Bible says is this isn't who you are. It's just something you do. At which point, am I any more offended by this thing than other things the Bible prohibits? Not necessarily. Yeah. But also you have to understand that the God says he's offended by this kind of thing. So there's things in this world that they're like, well, why is this wrong? I, I feel that it's important. And, you know, if doing that thing is your identity, then, well, yeah, it might be important to you. But I'm arguing that God's opinion transcends your opinion. Yeah. All right. So I think that's a great segue into our our next question, um, which was in your so in your lesson plan, you talk about those who would say that postmodernism or postmodern epistemology is compatible with Christianity. Um, you know, why why would we say that's not the case? Postmodernism is not compatible with Christianity. Okay, yeah. Um, so there is, you know, again, in contemporary theology class, it's a lot of the thing ideas that people took that they are trying to kind of merge with a Christian understanding. Um, so the way that some that this growing group and kind of a lot of them, they kind of would refer themselves more as post evangelical or post conservative. So they went from evangelical. Yes, that that group. So for them, it's they're kind of moving out of broader evangelicalism into their own category, like off to the side of it. So what this group is more or less arguing, and I'm sure they all they might argue it slightly differently because, of course, I get to decide my own truth and how I want to argue it. <laughs> but largely, um, the way you would kind of, I read mostly from one author because you can only read so much in finals week of class. But um, <laughs> it was pretty much the argument that, well, if God had, might have said back then, that might mean something today. But Christianity is largely not faith in a book. It's the community that happens to believe they can have faith. Mm. So um, is the Bible and historical church doctrine valuable? Um, insofar as they inform you about what the, the community has believed in the past and might shape how the community chooses to go forward, sure. But the big thing you have to remember when they talk about in reading the Bible, they might say that the Bible is more important than church tradition or anything like that, which I would affirm. But in true postmodern epistemology, you can't even know that when the Bible was written, that the words meant the same thing they do today. So largely where this group kind of comes in is they argue that the Holy Spirit can give you the meaning that the Bible has today, which may or may not be entirely divorced from what the Bible meant when it was written. So if the Bible says a pattern of behavior is wrong, but culturally we have transcended the idea that that is wrong, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit can tell us that it is not right. Yeah. Now, does the Bible directly claim that? Um, I think how the first is it first Peter? Yeah, I think it's first Peter puts it um, for no prophecy was ever given by will of man, but God gave men holy words to write down. 
um, that's the kind of thing where I look at what, what they're arguing and say, if you want to walk away from what the Bible says to be true and believe whatever you want to be true, then the Christian community becomes a great social group, but it's not a faith predicated on who God is and what he has said. Yeah, it doesn't. It's it's great for it's great for you and your group, but it doesn't necessarily have exclusivity on on truth claims for reality. And you're getting into oh, you're getting you're getting into a whole nother topic that we don't have time for today, which is deconstructionism and oh, yeah. and the impact that deconstructionism has upon biblical truth and you know fundamental to fundamental to that as well as the current conversation is this idea that if it's new it's better you know, mm -hmm. that if it's new it's better versus if it's older traditional then it's it's not good anymore so um we don't want to go down that road because we're we, we're already we're already pushing our time limit for today and everything but um you've definitely given me an idea for a future conversation and an important one uh because the you know that's kind of the natural consequence of heading down this this pathway is is we start to question the things that that scripture says to us so so Josh, let's leave our listeners with some hope. Um, how should Christians do epistemology? Where should they find their source of truth? Um, again, this kind of goes right back to John four. Yeah, John fourteen six. Sorry, I had to remember the reference there. Jesus okay. said, "I am the way and the truth and the life." Jesus didn't just claim that I am a way, a truth, right. and maybe a good life choice. Jesus specifically claimed, I, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. The Bible doesn't just make truth claims, it makes intentionally exclusive truth claims. Yeah. So um, at some level, can you disprove the idea that everybody might be right um i can logically argue against it but of course they would then look back at me and say well that's just your opinion your logical opinion about our belief which we may or may not understand each other because of course the truth chasm between us yeah but at some level uh, orthodox christianity has always been based on faith again in who god is and what he has said so if the Bible says that no prophecy is given by or by the will of man, but by inspiration of God, for me, that's where uh, Christian epistemology starts. It starts with God being the source of all truth. And then from there, he has revealed truth to us through his word. Amen. Exactly right. That if for for us as Christians, as those who who claim to follow the Lord, it is. You mean practically speaking, then the most important thing for us is to be in His Word, mm -hmm. right? To to be in His Word, to be reading it, to be studying it, uh, to use the tools that are available to us, to be in church and studying it in community uh, with other believers, and and then learning how to apply it to our lives. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, we've kind of started the uh, conversation with Solomon saying that um, there's nothing new under the sun. I actually ended my lesson plan with the end of Ecclesiastes, which mm -hmm. says that um, 
I'll start and I might as well read a little bit here. Ecclesiastes 12, starting in verse 12. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Actually, I'll back up to verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. Um, Christian epistemology starts with the idea that the words of the wise are like goads, but they're given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these words given by the shepherd. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Now, dealing with that verse in um, finals week of college makes a college student laugh a little bit. But um, <laughs> just wait until you have your doctorate. Oh, uh, uh, oh no. Uh, verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So Christian epistemology is largely based off the idea that, well, not just largely, entirely based off the idea that the one shepherd has given us the good words and the end of the matter is fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Josh. And we will close uh, on that. So thank you for joining us today for Calvary Conversations. It is a conversation. If, if you want to continue this, then feel free or, you know, sign up and, and become a student at Calvary University where you can have these kind of conversations every day. Right, Josh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, all right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Josh, for joining me. And God bless. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.